Just watch basketball. How about we can just watch basketball? Hello and welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore here with Keith Parrish for your Monday morning weekend update. Uh, remember, we created that. Before we start, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed, you can subscribe. Get this podcast ad-free. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and sign up now. Uh, a lot of stuff to jump into, and uh, you know, just a regular old regular season game in January in Miami between the Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat. No big deal. Raptors won one twenty four to one twenty. That's it. Wait. Oh, hang on. Checking my notes here, Keith. This game went in a triple overtime. It did. What? I, I mean, isn't there a rule preventing that? Well, if my spouse wishes there were, but no, there is not. They kept on playing. It was an incredibly exciting game. Gabe Vincent nearly ended it in the first overtime, but not so fast. Eric Spolster called timeout with a, right before he made a running 35-footer. Well, let's set it up. Let's set it up. All right, so yes. triple overtime. This is the second night of a back-to-back for Miami, who right now is the best team in the East, and they've been playing good basketball. No Kyle Lowry for them because – Second night of back-to-back, and they're trying to rest him. Uh, But they had Jimmy Butler, and and Jimmy did everything he could in this game. I mean, he finishes with 37 points. I mean, Jimmy Butler doesn't go for, like, huge scoring games often, but he turned it up in this one. Uh, He also had 14 rebounds, 10 assists. So, end of regulation. Okay. Scotty Barnes is fouled on a putback attempt while Toronto is down two. He hits both of the free throws, which, you know, for a rookie, I mean, that's fantastic, Keith, and you got to love that. Uh, then they go to o- overtime because Miami gets gets nothing on the well, other end. Well, because Jimmy Butler fails to get a shot off before the buzzer <laughs> yeah. goes off. But keep 2. going. 2.9 seconds, and they can't get a shot off. I mean, this is that Toronto defense. Uh, you mentioned end of the second overtime. Gabe Vincent hits a running three, and uh, we all think it's over. Uh, Eric Spolstra had called a timeout, thus negating it and once again Miami gets nothing on the sideline out of bounds with a couple seconds left uh now third overtime Fred Van Vliet hits a couple threes and that's it I mean this is sort of the how overtime games go Keith they're a toss-up and it doesn't matter Miami is a much better team than Toronto is but second night of a back-to-back once you get to OT uh I think that Toronto with the young legs had the advantage So you say Miami is a much better team than Toronto, which is probably true on the entire season's body of work. That's true. At full strength, I think there might not be that much separating them. I've considered Miami to be a contender coming out of the East. The way they played the first 15 to 20 games of the season, I think we were thinking, all right, is it our like, are the Heat going to come out of the East? Or are they the best team? Now they're still the one seed, but now that Eastern Conference has gotten so compressed. There's so many teams. There's there's six teams within uh, two games of each other, basically, the top of the conference. And then there's the Raptors, who are suddenly healthy, who suddenly have Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Van Vliet and Scotty Barnes is coming on. And they might also crash that party and I think be just as good as those other six teams that are currently ahead of them. I'm glad that you mentioned Pascal Siakam. I mean, he was fantastic in this game. He's been on a run, starting to look like he did pre-bubble. I mean, this guy now looks like 
the guy that we thought he was. 21 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, 4 blocks. Just a crazy defensive performance from him. Two-way play. Every starter for the Raptors had at least 19 points. They all played at least 54 minutes. That's impressive. They have no depth whatsoever. And, you know, look, again, Miami on the second night of a back-to-back. But this Raptors team, they play so hard. uh, And they don't have a lot of guys. I don't know how they're pulling it off. Gary Trent Jr. had 33 points, just was cooking Miami in this game. Um, Now, for Miami, it's a tough loss. I, I don't know what you say. It's a scheduled loss to a certain degree. You just hate that you had to play three overtimes to get there. Yeah, you know, you're missing Kyle Lowry, but you have a lot of players who can step up on that Heat team. They just needed something in this game from their guy, Tyler Hero, who is probably sixth man of the year. But he had a, a evening to forget numerous opportunities uh, to win the game, and uh, he missed a bunch of shots. Just wasn't there. And again, the Miami Heat on the second night of a back-to-back fall just short. It was a great game. I'm honestly, I'm still hung up on the Raptors, how like exciting this team is and the questions they have. Cause like the trade deadline is not very far away and there's some thought maybe they could be sellers. Maybe Pascal Siakam is available for someone to come get if you bring a serious offer. But on the other hand, when you see games like this and you're thinking these guys are good, you know, what does Masai Ujiri have in mind for this team going forward? And uh, I guess that remains to be seen. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Saturday night, we had a marquee matchup in the Bay between the Brooklyn Nets and the Golden State Warriors and uh, probably not the way that the schedule makers had envisioned it. No James Harden, he's out. No Kevin Durant, he's out for a little while. And no Draymond Green, he's out for potentially even longer. Uh, But that's okay because the Warriors, luckily, had all-star Andrew Wiggins to lead them to victory, Keith. He was spectacular in this game, I thought. And it's kind of, if you only watch one Andrew Wiggins game this season, you could watch this one and you could be like, oh, yeah, that guy's a pretty good player. And you wouldn't be wrong. He did everything on both ends that we've been seeing all year from Andrew Wiggins. It was a good moment for Andrew Wiggins to show out a little bit a controversial naming as a starter for the Western Conference, uh, or I guess as a Western Conference All-Star. And uh, he does. He shows out on primetime on Saturday night. Also, despite the guys who weren't playing, we got an exciting ending. We got a Kyrie Irving, uh, probably Kyrie's best game of the year. Klay Thompson knocks down a dagger. That's, That's the drama that they definitely were hoping for when they scheduled this game. Yeah, Golden State looked like they were running away with it until the end of the third when Kyrie turned it up, like you mentioned. I mean, he finished this game with 32, seven rebounds, seven assists, three steals, and and look, they are eventually going to get him playing in Brooklyn. But on the road, 
when James Harden is back and, and you know, if Durant is back for that last stretch of the season, they're going to be impossible. I, I don't know how anyone's going to beat this team offensively. I mean, their defense is bad, but they are going to be able to outscore everybody, especially with Kyrie playing this well. Yeah, they're one of the few teams that I think have really accepted this regular season is something to be endured. They're just going to say, let's just wait for this to be over, and then we'll worry about things uh, once it comes to that postseason time. They have that luxury because of this just overwhelming amount of talent. They're just like, hey, just get Durant right. Get James Harden right. Get the vaccination laws in New York City changed. Uh, And they have these target dates to fix those things, and things are looking up. I think uh, maybe for, I don't know about the laws, but uh, the rest of the things, they are, uh, you know, trending in the right direction. All right. So Brooklyn and Golden State, uh, they were going back and forth down the stretch. And Steph finds Clay Thompson. I mean, this was a throwback, Keith. You must have loved this. I know I know how much you love these Warriors. Uh, Steph finds Clay Thompson for a three, puts the Warriors up four with 12 seconds to go. And Keith, I got to ask you. Does he still look like Avery Bradley to you, or hey, is he hey. back? I said some things. I regret some things. Uh, Clay had some nice games this week. He had a nice game on Thursday night, and then he hits that dagger on Saturday night. I love seeing Clay Thompson do well. Everyone loves Clay Thompson. I include myself in that. Uh, can we talk about Steph's shooting, though? Because Steph is still basically... He- I don't know who the proper player is. I'm not going to throw a player out and insult them. Uh, Steph's had a rough go in January, some terrible shooting splits. Yeah, he was 3 of 10 from 3 in this game, and we all thought maybe he had broken out of his slump, and clearly that's not the case. Although he did hit a a pretty big 3 in the middle of the fourth quarter to put the Warriors up 3 at that point. So, Clay hits the 3. Kyrie comes back the other end. Okay, Hits a huge 3. I mean, this is just what Kyrie Irving does. But then, Keith, ooh, disaster struck, and Kyrie Irving fouled Klay Thompson before the inbound. And listen, that's the game. Okay, if you're Steve Nash, you've got the challenge. I mean, you've got a challenge, right, Keith? It's your chance to win. It's, it's basically the game. The Before the inbounds foul, the free throw, and the ball, the replay was not convincing that the referees made the correct call. So I don't know what your what are the odds there. If you feel like you have a 30% chance of winning that challenge, I feel like you have to do it right then. Your odds of winning in another manner seem pretty low. It does seem like a, a missed opportunity for Steve Nash where he should have challenged that call and maybe given himself and his team a better chance to win. Big marquee rookie matchup, Keith. Uh, that's not words that we say very often in the NBA, but when you've got rookies like Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley playing on a Sunday night, hey, that's a marquee game for nerds like us. And, uh, hey, Cade Cunningham came out on top in this one. Detroit beats Cleveland 115-105. I want to start with Cleveland because they're a contender. I mean, this is a team that – it wouldn't be wild to see them make the Eastern Conference Finals just if, if everything breaks their way. This is a pretty bad loss for them, and it's a division loss where they're actually up right now on the Bucks and the Bulls, and, and it, it could come down to this game, Keith. This is, I mean, it's January 30th as we're recording this, and it's weird to say that, but this is an awful loss. Yeah, Darius Garland was really upset uh, with this loss after the game. You know, felt like it was a disappointment and like they maybe didn't show up expecting to have a a fight against the Pistons and early on they were winning and early on you know we had this marquee Evan Mobley who's the rookie of the year we think so far this season Cade Cunningham who's been coming on great recently but in the first half 
Cade Cunningham misses all 10 of his field goal attempts. He's scoreless. And you're like, wow, you know, this is kind of a, a big letdown from the number one overall pick facing the guy everyone has picked as rookie of the year. And then the second half, Cade turns it on, finishes with his triple-double, down the stretch, dominates this game. I would almost say embarrasses some of the Cavs players with how well he was playing. Yeah, it, look, the Pistons went on a 20-2 to run, and that was the game. You literally could have just watched that run, and the game was over, and Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bey just got everything that they wanted against Cleveland's defense, which has been spectacular to this point. So we may just chalk this up as an aberration, but I think if you go back and look at the tape, teams are going to find some weaknesses. And what Cade Cunningham was able to do with the pace in this game, I thought was unique. And that's the tricky part for Cleveland's. How do they overcome the guys that can control that pace? Also, you saw Cade getting his own shot, knocking down his own shot, and then is it fair to say he bullied Rondo? Like, we know that Cavaliers don't prefer to have Rondo closing basketball games. They've been beset by injuries, but Rondo looks so out of place, and Cade Cunningham is like, this guy, I'm going to steal the ball from him, and then I'm going to come down, I'm knocking down a big shot, and I'm going to end the game. In, in a game full of young guys flying around all over the place, I mean, this this looked like the Ringling Brothers, really, like with all the athleticism and length. Rondo stood out like a sore thumb. Everything he did was kind of <laughs> slow. He had two awful bricks, and he had a really bad turnover on a pass. It, it was just telegraphed, and, and you're, you're right. This you is say not- really bad pass. I say better play by Cade Cunningham, tricking Rondo into thinking he wasn't expecting it. Cade yeah, was, right. I think, we'll definitely expecting the credit. He kind of fainted like, all right, I'm going to go here, and then immediately went down to, to, to steal the bounce pass. I thought it was a, maybe a better play from Cade. It just, to me, demonstrated the dominance of Cade, the number one pick in this game. Yeah, and I think the Cade story as he's coming on, um, this guy, look, Evan Mobley is special. Very sure. clearly special. Yeah. Two-way player. Uh, but Cade Cunningham might be better than him right now, and I'm – wouldn't have said that a month ago and look we may change our mind here in the next month uh, I think that these two guys are going to be the league for the next 15 years uh, but Cade has been absolutely spectacular James Edwards got some great words about Cade over at the Athletics so go and read that that's going to do it for the show folks don't forget we got basketball buds coming up next right here on the Athletic NBA show so stay tuned for that hope you guys have a great week Keith Let's get out of here. Ding, ding.